What are the biggest questions the Utah football team has yet to answer during spring ball? We'll talk about that and more on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. My name is JT Wistel, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we'll be talking about the state of the Utah offensive line. Also, a little fun Utah versus BYU thing at the very end of the show. But first, got to start with the biggest questions yet to be answered during spring ball. Utah football, two weeks into spring ball now. And we've learned a lot, but we haven't learned everything yet. And in order to help us learn about it and talk about what we don't know yet it's the former host of this podcast and the current host of lockdown kooks jake hatch and jake when you're talking about the biggest question still i think my biggest one kind of opened up earlier this week when kyle whittingham said they're starting to see a little separation under the quarterbacks now coaches are always very careful with their words right i'm very curious what does a little separation mean because i'm honestly surprised he even gave us that much because he knows like as soon as you say there's separation people are already going to start to be like okay what's going on here we know that brandon rose is the one who's been getting most of the reps with the ones it feels like he's the one right now who's kind of got a slight lead over a nate johnson per se and then look um bryson barnes is obviously just in a difficult spot because they were basically just like well we know what you are so we're just going to give them the reps which i'm sure he's kind of like but but can i continue to show you like maybe i'm better than them they're like no you're, you're good you just you do your thing we'll throw you out there some but for i really feel like my biggest question is just how big is the separation because we only get to see that final 20 minutes so look and brandon has looked good both times we've seen him but it's still only a small sample size. So I really do wonder how big that separation is. Well, Kate, okay, and that's a, that's a very good point you make there, JT. And the biggest thing I think is that Kyle Whittingham, he's very measured when he makes comments like that. I, mm-hmm. He doesn't say that just to say it. And to me, I, I think you're right. I think it's, it's come down to, and he said the very first day of spring ball, he said that the majority of these reps are going to go to Nate Johnson and Brandon Rose. And essentially it was like, okay, which of these two guys is going to show better here in spring ball? And that'll set them up in theory to be the number two guy going into training camp, ostensibly if Cam Rising's ready to go uh, in training camp in August. So uh, the other thing about this is just whoever wins that job, they're the heir apparent. That's the other thing mm-hmm. about Exactly. The one thing about Brandon Rose that I, I think ha- he has the edge on Nate Johnson is the fact that he's a more accurate quarterback. And that is something mm-hmm. that Andy Ludwig is going to demand of his quarterbacks. He has demanded it in all of his previous runs he's had at various stations as an offensive coordinator. He wants guys who are accurate. And I think Brandon Rose has got more accuracy at this point. It's not to say that Nate Johnson can't uh, improve mm-hmm. on that, but I think Brandon Rose is the better prospect right now. It definitely seems that way. And you're right. That's what makes like last year's quarterback battle. It was so clearly just a backup quarterback battle for the time being between Jaquindon Jackson and Bryson Barnes. And it wasn't even decided. They said they would like to have, I know coach Witt said he would like to have decided. This is still, there's going to be a leader in the pack. Still don't believe it'll be decided until fall camp is underway like that, because things are always subject to change. We still don't know what's going on with cam rising and his health. Of course, we assume he's still on timeline, but he's still very much questionable for that first game too. So it does make the quarterback battle very interesting. And you know, outside of the quarterbacks, Jay, 
big. I think there's small questions overall, but it does feel like we've seen the offensive line we're going to hit on in the second segment. It feels like we know who the five there should be. We know right now that Justin Medlock is kind of filled in the extra linebacker spot right there. When Leovani DeMuni comes on, we'll see how it works out there. The three receivers for this Utah team as of right now do seem to be obviously Devon Bailey, who's in both media availabilities, his look outstanding is kind of like the one established guy that's still really going on the outside and spring ball. Makai Cope, Money Parks looks really good, of course. Makai is right now, I think he's got the edge, but I think Mikey Matthews, I mean, Coach Witt was raving about him a lot early on, so I'm interested to see the ground that he can make up. I'm sure there's some questions about Nate Ritchie that people have, but I just feel like by the time we get to fall camp, I think he's going to be ready to go. And the fact that Clayton Isabel decided to leave this program, I think just speaks to how high they are on Nate Ritchie overall. So it really is that there's not a ton of questions, I feel like, or at least there's obvious answers to maybe those potential questions we would have. Well, and that, that's, the, that's the interesting part about this is there's still a lot of this roster that's in flux, but this is the time of year for Utah and every other football program out there to experiment. Spring ball mm-hmm. is the most experiment-heavy uh, time of any season because you have guys changing positions, seeing how they do maybe in a different role. You mentioned Clayton Isbell leaving the program. That one was a bit of a surprise to me because yes. he was very much in the mix at safety, I felt like at least. That's just mm-hmm. my perception of it. So it opens the door, obviously, for Cole Bishop, Nate Ritchie ostensibly as well. If he gets his mission legs back underneath him. Uh, Kyle Whittingham said that he's been a little bit slow getting back, but that's not to be unexpected. As a guy has a two-year layoff, you've got to give him some time to get ready. But the the bigger point, I think, to, to what you're making there is that there is going to be opportunities for guys to try different roles and show out. And the, the, the thought is that after spring ball, the guys who have showed well in spring will get the first crack in training camp in terms of what position they're playing, et cetera. But that does not mean that you've locked up a spot come game one. Absolutely not. I think about a guy like Indiana Zip Simmons, who's going to be coming over and joining this team. I think he's got a chance to become the third receiver very quickly. Leovani Dumuni has a lot of experience, and I think it's good that Justin Medlock is getting all these reps and getting everything right now because Dumuni has a lot more game experience than he does. So it's going to be because we know Karene Reed, Lander Barton are pretty locked in overall there. So it is going to be interesting to see how it works out. And one thing, Jake, that you and I have in common is we both got to see the very first spring practice and spring practice. And you've also been watching a lot of the BYU spring practice too. So you're fully in the flux of spring football and sometimes because guys do perform well in camp the hype train can get a little bit out of control sometimes but for the utah football team at least in the first practice i think one of the things that i was really encouraged by just being out there to go watch and be in person was watching the other guys like an isaac vaha get out there and make a big grab and like that's a big dude like you just see him moving that way he's a guy that you and i have covered in the high school days going back to his time at pleasant grove too i think that is the nice thing about spring ball is you get to see these guys out there and look the first day we were there wasn't it was live ish they weren't going to the ground you could hear the i love going to these practices because you can hear the coaches like yelling at guys to stay up or even the minute things like they're getting mad when they don't break out the huddle correctly overall basically but i feel like vaha is one of the guys that kind of surprised me in the first viewing session obviously medlock a little bit we talked about was there anyone else who really stood out to you from that kind of first viewing session uh, well, I, here's the thing. I'm a big fan of Devon Bailey, and I think that yes. he's going to have a big opportunity to show what he can do. He was very good in that first practice, like mm-hmm. I said, in the media portion. He had two touchdown receptions, and he just he, – he you can tell, and also listening to his media session, that he is highly motivated. He came back for a specific reason. He easily could have said, you know what, I, I'm done mm-hmm. uh, playing ball here. I'm going to go uh, take my chance at the NFL, et cetera. But he wants to come back and prove a point, and uh, Utah is going to be better for it because he has got all the physical tools to be that number one wide receiver for Utah I feel like the, the biggest thing is going to be can he capitalize on that and also can whoever the quarterback is Cam Rising or otherwise will they get the ball to him on, on a routine basis 
1000%. And I do think Devon is one of those guys who just, you see the grabs and the catches and everything he makes. And it's just clear, like, okay, there's, there's spring ball. There's guys who perform well at spring ball. And there's a guy like him, you know, he's going to be a gamer for this Utah football team. And there's a reason that we expect him to at worst be the second leading receiver only behind a healthy Brant Keithy overall. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out the rest of spring ball and see what other questions kind of emerge and what gets answered. But one thing we do seem to have an answer to, at least right now is who the Utah starting offensive line would be. We're going to share our thoughts on that in a moment but first want to talk to you guys about our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. The tournament is heating up and there is no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet. Then you can get wager on everything from the money line to the point spread to which team will be cutting down the net all in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up make every moment more with FanDuel. also want to talk to you guys about our friends at uccu uccu is opening a new branch in vineyard and with that new branch there will be offer all the benefits of a normal uccu branch multiple driver planes 24-hour atm and uc's brand new interactive telling machines or itm for short which provide all the benefits of meeting with a real uccu professional either in the branch or right from your vehicle it's a virtual connection to a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection so celebrate with uccu and to win that 2023 kawasaki tier x4 utv winners will be announced in april but the entry deadline is march 31st so your final day to enter is that while you're currently listening to this podcast right now so there's just days left for you to get in on this stop by uc's new branch in vineyard or enter to win at uccu.com you don't even have to be a member to enter and there's no purchase necessary uccu love where you bank jake the offensive line for utah looks set at least right now Looks like it'll be Satawa Laume, excuse me, at left tackle, Keaton Bills at left guard, Jaron Kump at center, right guard Michael Mokafisi, right tackle Falcon Kalmatule. My biggest question coming into spring ball was filling the left tackle spot because, look, last year, Braden was outstanding at right tackle. I just felt like that was an easy transition, and I know Satawa was first team all Pac-12 at right tackle, but... I did think he had his struggles in pass protection, and I am a little concerned about how he's going to hold up against the Pac-12's top pass rusher, seeing it is just his second year at the tackle spot. I thought he did show good growth over the course of the season, but it's still, that's a big jump going from the right to the left side. It is still a little different, and look, I, I trust Satawa. He's done a great job for this Utah football team, but I'm going to be a little concerned until I see how he holds up against some of those guys from Florida, Jake. Well, and that's the whole thing about football in general is that you really don't know until you actually see them out there. And once the mm-hmm. bullets are quote-unquote live, that that's when you truly will know. But you're right. Uh, Satoa, he's got all of the all the physical tools you'd think to make the transition to left tackle. And the one thing I will always give credit to Jim Harding is, is that he yes. always seems to have an answer for whatever uh, is coming at him as mm-hmm. an offensive line coach. He's been very, very good for a long time for this Utah program. And if he truly believes those are his five guys along that offensive front, I'm going to trust him. Uh, I, I think all five of them have talent uh, up and down the, uh, up and down their, their, whatever you want to call it, uh, their skill sheet. If you want to use that terminology, the, the one thing, I, I'm with you. Laumea, you obviously want to see what he can do. But Falcon Kalmatule is a guy I've been waiting to see finally yes. get an opportunity as a U. So it's finally his time to see what he can do. Jaron Kump, uh, Kyle Whittingham said it day one that they're playing him at center. He's played everywhere else on the offensive line. They're giving him a shot at center now to see what he can do there. He's a highly thought of offensive lineman. The coaches absolutely love him from what I understand. So uh, 
I, for one, I'm just going to, I'm I'm going to do what I do with most of these things when it comes to like Utah's defense, et cetera. I'm going to say, I trust Jim Harding to get it right. That's the right move. Absolutely. But you do take me to my second point. I am surprised that Jaron Cump currently is the starting center right now, just because of how good Johnny Maia looked. And I think back to, yeah. look, we had Nick Ford and then Paul Miley had filled in for him in a couple games. And you're like, oh, that's the natural next starting center. And sure enough, that's how it did work out. I still think Paul had a pretty good year for Utah overall last year. Yeah. He struggled against Penn state, maybe a couple other games there. There were, it was up and down play for the Utah offensive line in a number of those comp contests against some of these elite defensive lines that they played. So I, I am a little surprised that it is comp right now, but you, I think you said it perfectly. It's about the trust the coaches have in him. They've always raised about raved about Jaron and it is not easy to learn this offense. We've heard a lot of people say that before. So the, the fact that Jaron has feels good about playing all five positions really speaks to him as well. I mean, it's crazy to still look back and think he was a starter for this team at left tackle during the start of that 2021 season. And then how crazy everything materialized had the injuries. And then the weird season he had last year playing so much at guard. So truly a guy when it's all said and done, if he does end up keeping the starting center job, it's just wild that he is going to be starting all over. But man, Jaron is one of those guys too, that it just seems like he, wherever he has played, he's at least done good things. He came in at guard against USC and did a lot of really good things for Utah in that first game too, Jake. Well, and that, that's the thing about this is I think Jaron, those injuries, I think sapped some of the athleticism that he showed at, at Harriman high school. Trust me. I was as high on this kid. I've, I've covered him throughout his high school career. I was as high on him being the future left tackle for Utah as almost anybody out there. And I think that the, some of that athleticism that would have lent itself to him staying at tackle long-term uh, was lost due to the injuries that he, that he dealt with. So now it, it's a natural progression. He's still a very good offensive lineman. He's a good leader, a good technician. So what do you do? You move him in, inside here and if you feel like the two guys you have a guard right now are the options that are your number one options well guess what you got to find a spot for him so you're gonna give him a shot at center that doesn't mean that johnny maia can't beat him out at some mm -hmm. point but you're just giving him his first opportunity to impress you there and uh, i think that they are just doing everything within their power speaking of utah to find the best combination of five linemen and that's what every program tries to do you want to find the best combination of guys you know will work together and give your team the best chance for success along that offensive front I love that you brought up the high school coverage because this next guy fits right in with that. And this goes away from the starters, but we were out there at the first one. Like we talked about Spencer Fano already being second team, right? Tackle. That was a wow moment to me. He was a guy just because of the strength questions, everything I thought, did he need to start on the interior and then eventually work his way out? But I mean, look, there's a reason this guy is one of the higher recruits this team has ever brought in. He's his technique is very outstanding. I still have strength questions, which I think is why you currently see him at the second team spot. And I don't expect him to start first year. It'll be interesting to see how much progress he can make just in terms of his physical, physical development from when he joined this team to yeah. the time we get to the first snap of the season in fall camp. But it really is amazing that he is already on the second team. Well, here's the thing. Spencer Fano is an elite talent. There's no doubt about that. It was a huge Huge recruiting win for Utah. A, to win him, uh, obviously win him over. His brother was at BYU at the time, and yeah. obviously his brother's now up there, Logan, uh, playing with him at Utah, but also to keep him in state. That's the other thing about this. It was yes. a very, very impressive job on the recruiting front to keep him in state. I'm not surprised that he's already in the two deep. I, I think he's that good of an offensive lineman. The only thing he needs is to get, get uh, into the weight room, obviously gain some strength, and also probably needs that some more, some more mass, just overall weight uh, to his frame. But you're looking at a future, I think, superstar along that offensive front. I absolutely agree with you there. I think he has just got all the, the potential and like we already talked about his technique is outstanding to be that guy. And I, I very much see that being the case. And I think he's going to be the future blindside protector of whoever Utah's quarterback is in a couple of years. And you make a great point too, just about offensive line in general. It does take time. Like we see Clark Phillips come in and start three years on the outside. 
Jake, can you remember the last Utah offensive lineman who was able to do that? Because I know I can't. Uh, I honestly, off the top of my head, I'd have to do some research. I, I don't think can I you can... name a co- I can't even name a college offensive lineman off the top of my head that like was a three year starter that we knew like, oh, three years from now, he's going to be a top five pick like a Derek Stingley, like a Kayvon Thibodeau. We knew those guys burst onto the scene. I like I got the thinking you got the yeah. thinking back on right now. <laughs> There's probably somebody from uh, like, I, I would say like Alabama back. In, oh no, I know who it is. Barrett Jones from Alabama. Ooh, he, was not, okay. he wasn't Barrett was never going to be a first round pick or maybe like a top five pick, but Barrett Jones, the second he showed up at Alabama, Nick Saban was singing his praises. I think he was a three yeah. or four year starter. He ended up uh, playing for his, I think he might still be in the NFL. He's one of those guys that, yeah, you, you kind of saw it early on and it, it, it prevailed, but that that's the opportunity that a guy like Spencer Fano has here. He really does. And I love that you mentioned wasn't a guy that's going to be like a top five pick because even while you were talking about that, I'm mad at myself. I'm forgetting his name right now. There was a former center at Texas. He was a four-year starter during, you know, some of their up and down years with Tom Herman and everything. But either way, so he made it on. He didn't, he went undrafted, was on the Bucks practice squad. This is a four-year starter at a major school like Texas. He didn't even make their final roster. That just goes to show you the difference between like the NFL and college as well. So it truly is amazing. Some of the differences in anything, but the main point of this whole conversation to me is in Jim Harding. We trust as you hit on, he always gets it done up front. This offensive line always comes together and plays some of their best football at the right time. Like they have in the PAC 12 championship the last couple of years. So definitely got to trust him there. We are going to come back in a second and talk about Utah versus BYU. If there was a little bit of a twist on the spring game, but first I want to talk to you guys about our friends at built bar looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories. Then you got to try a built bar. I'm still trying to keep up with my new year's resolution. So I've decided to go with built bars a lot, because they're healthy and actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate, and they come in unbelievably great flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is they are healthy, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Smith's or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Smith's or Sam's Club today. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four box of cookies and cream, coconut puffs, salted caramel, brownie batter puffs at your nearest Smith's. Or if you're closer to Sam's Club, run and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You guys can thank me later. Or you can go to Built.com to get them as well. So make sure you guys get on, on those great offers from Built Bar. Jake, BYU Spring Ball has been going on for a little bit longer than Utah Spring Football at the moment there. And you know, it's one of those things, whenever your rivals got going on, you're always checking in and you're curious to see how they're doing. How, what are your thoughts on the Cougars spring ball so far? Uh, they're similar to Utah, a lot of experimentation. BYU will actually, so today, the Friday edition of this podcast, they're actually having their annual spring game. And oh. is it going to be an actual spring game? I highly doubt that. The weather's supposed to move in. They'll also have their second annual alumni game, which they're actually bringing former Cougars back to play flag football. It's a fun event for the fans. It's what it's all about. Uh, the biggest thing for BYU right now is it's been a big transition with Jay Hill moving in as their defensive coordinator. There's a renewed energy inside the inside the facility at BYU with Jay mm-hmm. Hill running things. Any Utah fan watching and or listening to this will know exactly what I'm talking about. Jay is just one of those effervescent personalities who he is in, he is just so involved and so I, I don't know. He's so engaged. I guess is the biggest thing in terms of his his want to uh, building a program. I think it's going to pay dividends for BYU. It may take them a year or so to truly get up to speed, but I think there are good things happening in Provo. Definitely feels like it. And you mentioned the spring game. Obviously, 
Mm -hmm. BYU has their spring game. Then Utah will have their spring game later in the month. But I thought it'd be fun to think about in some alternate reality. If spring games were played a little bit different, if you played your rival in your spring game, how would that turn out? And in order to do that for this exercise, let's look at it from Utah. If they were to play BYU in the spring game, I'll start with it from the Utah perspective. Jake, but Jake, I do want to hear if you disagree with me on this. I think if they played the spring game, and let's say it did matter for something. I don't know. Maybe it's just bragging rights, but maybe both sides like tried their hardest. I think Bryson Barnes would start the spring game if it was a couple weeks away. Do you agree with that? I would say I'm gonna. I, I actually think Brandon Rose would start. You do think? I, you I, think I, Brandon? I think so. I think. I think that Utah is so intent on getting a true look. They, they know what yeah. they have in Bryson Barnes. That's the thing about yeah. this. It's nothing against that young man. Something the pig farmer. He's got all that stuff going mm-hmm. for him. They know what he is at this point. They want to know truly what Nate Johnson and mm-hmm. Brandon Rose in particular are. I actually think if they were to play a game against BYU, I think they may play one half each. Honestly, yeah, I think that would make a lot of sense. And the only reason I went with Bryson is if it was like a let's say I'd have been I've figured out this far in my imaginary scenario how to make it a must win game but if it was I maybe they trust Bryson but you make a great point talking about Brandon and Nate getting a great look at him in game like that so obviously Utah would be without Brant Keithy but you still have Devon Bailey on the outside so still some decent receivers if you're Utah I think you still feel good about the guys in the front seven although no Van Fillinger so that part of it makes it a little nervous about the Yasman over there come on now Thomas Yasman yeah (laughs) yeah Thomas and Thomas should be in for a huge year too that is that is a great point made by you I think he's in for a really good year too the safety room would probably be the biggest concern right now just because nate ritchie wouldn't play so like if sioni vaki or cole bishop got dinged up at all i think that could be really interesting to see but i still feel like this utah football team would be in a good place if they were to go into this spring game how do you feel like byu would fare in this scenario uh, I would be uh, concerned about BYU just because they're currently in the transition of getting a new defense installed. Now, mm-hmm. the defense in practice, I've been out like they're, they're down. So tonight will be uh, this afternoon, I guess, will be the 12th of mm-hmm. their 15 practices. I have seen six uh, periods. They give us about 20 minutes like Utah does as a media core to go down to Provo and watch practice. Uh, the defense has made plays uh, for BYU, but the the, the issue is, I don't think they have fully installed all of the terminology, all of their overall philosophy for this defense. So I think it'd be very much a a defense that was kind of playing more on instinct rather than overall uh, uh, just philosophy and and scheme. So I'd be concerned about BYU's ability to hold up against Utah in the circumstance just simply due to the transition going on in Provo. Yeah, that's where we're Utah. They have so many guys returning. It does benefit them. Now, it would be funny if like, you have all these guys returning and then BYU would be dealing with the same thing, obviously, when in terms of an inexperienced quarterback, if Utah did roll out there with a Bryson and a Nate or something like that. Well, but, hey, I'm not, okay, here's the thing. It's not an inexperienced quarterback. Keaton Slovis has played a lot of football. That's the thing. No, you're, oh, you're right. My bad. Yes, I completely forgot about Keaton Slovis. You are absolutely right. That is on me because yeah, that, is, that is a man with some of the most experience in college football. You are absolutely right. Yeah, that's the one thing he would offer. Yes. He's a veteran yes. who's been through all of the quote-unquote nice. wars you want him to go through as a starting quarterback in two different Power 5 programs. So he'd bring mm-hmm. that. But there is a lot of roster transition going on for BYU. They'd ha- they've turned over their running back room. The offensive line's in transition. And like I said, the entire defense is, is under a, a new uh, regime uh, running that defense. I'd just be concerned about the overall integrity and overall, I don't know, uh, just ability to be a cohesive unit if I was BYU. Yeah, we're obviously never going to get to see that scenario play out where Utah BYU right. play this break, but it's fun to imagine. <laughs> Let's try and get the NCAA on board, get some kind of waiver out there, get some NIL uh, opportunities. Yeah. That's, it could be like a, a like some companies like okay, whoever wins this gets a team wide NIL deal. You want you want people to play, 
Yes. Give them money. Make put money on the line. <laughs> Thousand percent. That that would be a lot of fun to watch. And I may have forgotten that Keaton Slovis played for BYU, but the thing I have not forgotten, Jake, is that the last time you were on this podcast, you had one of the hottest takes I have ever seen in my entire life when you nailed how well Blake Freeland would do at the NFL Combine. I just want to peel back the curtain a little bit there. You literally said on this show you thought he could set records. How did you know or just think like, okay, he might be in for some special stuff? Well, here's the thing. I, I've known uh, of his athleticism since he was in high school. I had an opportunity mm -hmm. to watch him multiple times playing for Harriman High. And he, the thing about this is every coach to a man that I've talked to at BYU when he asked about Blake Freeland, just comment on the fact that he's just an athletic marvel. He's a physical freak. And uh, I also talked with some NFL talent evaluators that are more in the know about this, and they also believe that he could do it. So I guess it was an informed guess, but just everything about him. He's 6'8", 300 pounds. Wow. He can run a sub 540, similar to what Braden Daniels did. But is it, that 37-inch vertical, absolutely insane. I will give myself credit on one thing. I said he could jump 10 feet in the broad jump. What did he yell? 10 feet. So I'll, I'll give myself credit on that one. It was, like I said, truly incredible. One of the like moments where I'm just like, I, I have never, I, did he have the future? Like, what was going on? There? I, was, I, I was, as soon as he started to do everything. How much do you feel like it raised his stock also? Uh, I think he is probably going to go in the, the worst, the third round, the, the, thing about this, okay. the, the NFL is all about physical tools. He is not a finished product by any means. He never played offensive line before getting to BYU. He has played an offensive tackle for four years of his life. He mm. is still like an infant in some people's minds when it comes to offensive line play. He's been tutored by three different offensive line coaches during his time in Provo, Jeff Grimes, Eric Mateos, and now uh, Daryl Funk. And all of them have raved about his potential, what he's capable of doing. And they They've tried to train him up. NFL teams love toolsy players. That's the term I like to use. They like those tools on guys. He's long. He's athletic. He's quite strong. He put up 25 uh, reps on the 225-pound bench press with just under 34-inch arms. That, that's actually a very, very good number relative to the arm length. So NFL teams love guys like this who have oodles of potential and those physical tools. So I think he might sneak into the back end of the second round, but I don't, I don't think he's on the board any further than the third. Exactly what you're talking about with the physical tools and traits. Everything is exactly where I feel like Mahmoud Diabate really helped his own stock. Now he's going to get, now I don't think he'll be as high as the third round like we're talking about here, but I think he was on the borderline of getting drafted, undrafted. I think he will be in that kind of six, seven, maybe even a little higher. It'll be interesting well, to wait and see. Yeah. Let me say this. Uh, I had somebody tell me, and we were just talking about different prospects in the state. And he told me that yeah. Mahmoud Diabate not getting a combine invite was an absolute travesty. Yes. This is a guy who has no connection to Utah. He's not, he's not a homer, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. And he told me that the fact that he did not get invited to the combine was, was just absolutely foolish. He told me, he's like, Jake, he's going to rock it at pro day. And you're going to see the uh, Abate get his name called in the NFL draft. They said it. Yeah. It's probably the sixth, seventh round, but they, they said he will be drafted. Yeah, it definitely feels like we're heading that way for him here in his name call, which is it's going to be great and interesting to see how the whole draft process works out. Jake, we know you're working hard on locked on Cougars, but anything else you have, you're working on right now. Uh, just, I, obviously I do DJ and PK in the morning as their executive producer every morning with the KSL sports zone, uh, tune in. We actually had a really fun, uh, last week or so we've had, uh, PK went up to practice at Utah and it actually has had a number of one-on-one -on -one conversations with Utah assistant coaches, Morgan Scowley, Sharif Shaw. Uh, who else did he talk to? Quinton Ganther. Uh, he's all, he's talked to uh, essentially all of the assistant coaches got exclusive conversations that only PK really uh, can get. And he, if you want to hear those, you can check out our podcast feed and we're still actually playing them on the show so tune in make sure you guys head over and check all that also make sure you guys make locked on college basketball your second listen every day we're host isaac shade and andy Patton walking through the world of college basketball the final four is here march madness is rapidly approaching jake i got uconn who you've taken 
Uh, I have a hard time picking against UConn, but just there's, there's part of me that wants FAU to do it just because oh it'd be so, such a cool thing. They've never won an NCAA tournament game before in their history. For them to make the run that they're making, why not finish it off with the national title? be absolutely incredible. It'll be interesting to see how it all goes down in Houston. Also, speaking of just incredible runs, the Utah women's gymnastics team just continues to be sensational. Before we go, just want to shout them out. They did win the first session. Um, it wasn't even close. They scored 198. The next closest had 196. Like They're just a powerhouse. They're incredible. So shout out to the women's gymnastics team. We'll see how they do the rest of the weekend, and we'll be talking about them more and covering more spring ball on next week's Locked on Utes. Jake, always appreciate you joining us, man. Absolutely. Anytime you need me, JT. Appreciate it. And thank you all for making Locked On Utes your first listen every day.